Good evening. It is good to see each of you. If you are a guest, we are thankful that you are here. Uh, it encourages us that you're here. It is always good uh, to be together to worship God. Sunday nights are special, and uh, it's good to see such a, a good number that has interest in worshiping God. Uh, we have so many things, as already mentioned this morning, to be thankful for. As Philip has already mentioned, the camp this year was absolutely amazing. Every day and almost every way, uh, lives were impacted. And it, it really is amazing to hear the good that, that came out of it. And uh, the stories just continue to flow. And we give God all the glory for that. Uh, but God works through individuals. And we're thankful for Philip and his tremendous ability uh, to lead and uh, to be creative in a way that it really does help the young people and even the adults that are there uh, to connect with God and with God's people. Uh, we're also prayerful uh, about the Ukrainian mission trip that's underway right now. We are so thankful for those that are willing to sacrifice their time and invest in such a wonderful way. And so continue to pray uh, for that good church there and for the, our team that is there at this moment. Also, uh, we will have a team leaving on either Friday evening and most would be leaving Saturday morning uh, for West Virginia, Marlington, West Virginia. And you probably remember that this is a trip that we have done for several years. And it really is a, a very uh, important time of the year for them. It really is a highlight whenever we have a small team that goes there and helps them with a, a VBS that also has adult classes. And it truly is good for young and old. And we're thankful for our team that is willing to uh, invest and be a part of that. And that leads us up to we're just a couple of weeks away from our own vacation Bible school. And so keep in mind, it's time to register for that. And uh, it's time to be praying fervently about that. And we'll be saying more about that uh, as it comes. Of course, we'll have another team VBS associated with that this year. And you'll be hearing more about that also by next week. But the plans are just amazing. I told Tracy the other day, I said, this has the potential of being one of the most exciting things I've ever been a part of. And uh, I'm just so excited for the plans that are being made uh, for our, our team VBS. And uh, I'm just not as involved with the younger children VBS, but I'm sure it's just as exciting and just as good. It is every year, but let's be sure and ask God's blessings on it because that's what will make the real difference is when we partnership with God. Allow me to mention also just another plug for something else that has already been announced. But our family tree is relatively new to us as a congregation. It's an online database where you can have information like a directory that is always updated. And uh, if you are online, but you do not know about Family Tree, you really owe it to yourself to come to one of the training seminars. They're usually an hour to an hour and a half long. There will be more after Monday and Tuesday, but there are, there are two classes. Pick one of them, either Monday or Tuesday at 6.30 and 100 A and B. It's the classroom just out behind the library. And it really is a tremendous tool, much more than just a directory. But it is a significant way uh, that we can be in touch with each other and the way information uh, is communicated instantly. And so if you know very little about that, this is a great opportunity uh, for you to come and to learn a lot more about it. And see John Michael if you have further questions on that. Worship. This morning, we studied from Hebrews, the 12th chapter, and we learned that we must approach God in our worship and our service, and we come to God seeking to come to Him in what is acceptable unto Him. And throughout our study this morning, we learned that what is acceptable to Him has to do with us coming in reverence and in awe or in godly fear. 
Now, we noticed this quote this morning from F.F. Bruce that this characteristic of God, that He is a consuming fire, as we think about worship and as we think about our approach to God, is one that we have grown very comfortable as a religious culture ignoring and pretending that this characteristic of God does not exist. We looked at Genesis, the fourth chapter. We saw two brothers, Cain and Abel, each brought an offering. God accepted Abel and his offering. God rejected Cain and his offering. That led us to God having a conversation with Cain. And in that conversation, he urged Cain to repent. And if Cain would repent, he said the words to him, If you do well, will you not be accepted? And that is a key phrase that we see throughout the scriptures. That God longs to accept us, but it's our choice. Do you want to be accepted by God? What we're going to see from tonight's lesson. Lip service alone will never make you acceptable to God. God wants your lips, your heart, your life, and put under a larger umbrella, God wants your submissiveness. When you and I are willing to submit to Him in the way that we live and worship, we become acceptable to God. I remind you again, and probably many times throughout this series, God is not a beggar. Instead, He is the Lord Almighty on the throne. And so if you join in with a cultural mindset that God's just happy to get whatever we give, that's not the God that we read about in the Scriptures. God is majestic, glorious, all-knowing, all-powerful. And He accepts true worshipers that are willing to worship Him in spirit and in truth. I remind you again of Romans 2.11. God is not partial. That is the standard that He has set forth. And because that is the standard, He cannot accept a worshiper who is not true. And He cannot accept a worshiper who does not worship in spirit and in truth. So what is this standard of truth? In John 17 and 17, we learn that His Word is truth. God's Word, the Bible, tells us how God wants us to approach Him. Now, I don't want to wear out saying the same things, but I do want to emphasize. And so if your mindset is like the religious culture around us, where all of the talk about worship is, what do you like? What draws your attention? What makes you feel good? Those are not standards that are acceptable to God. You see... What is acceptable to God is our humble approach to His teachings and His ways. I'd like to slow down just a moment. And those of you that were at first service, you're going to think, why is He slowing down? It's because I forgot to do this at second service, okay? And so here, here's what we learned today from first, uh, the, the sermon this morning, okay? Number one, we learned God isn't a beggar. Now here's a quote from God. But God is a consuming fire. Number two, we learned, I can seek entertainment or I can seek worship. And the difference is going to be whether or not I'm humble. Entertainment places the emphasis on me. It's pride and selfishness that says, I'm here for you to give me something. Humility says, 
God, you're on the one, you're, you're the one on the throne, and I am here to be an active participant to pour out my adoration to you because you are so much greater than me. You are worthy of my worship. And the third one that we see here is I can't worship wrong and be, now let's use some biblical phrases here. I can't worship wrong and be accepted as a true worshiper. So how is it that God wants us to worship? There are five avenues. I'd like for you to be reminded of the fact we're very accustomed to speaking of an avenue that we drive on. We transport ourselves from one place to another by driving on an avenue. There are five avenues by which our adoration leaves our heart, that's the definition of worship, and we pour out that adoration to God. How does that adoration leave us and arrive to God? We don't make that call. God tells us the avenues that He wants us to worship Him. And so tonight we'll look at the first one, uh, not the first one, but one, and it will be the first one we look at, and that is teaching and preaching. The way we submit to the will of God is a way to worship. Now, how important is it that we have worship that includes teaching and preaching that is acceptable to God? It's of all importance. Again, when individuals say, well, I visited this church and there's some things different, but, but I think it's going to be a pretty good place to worship. Are you listening to what's being preached? Because it's impossible to be at a place that teaches wrong and you worship right. It is impossible to be at a place that teaches wrong and you worship correctly or in truth. So let's look at some teachings from God's Word on this. In Acts, the second chapter, and we start here because this is the beginning of Christ's church. You remember that Christ in Matthew, the 16th chapter, prophesied that He would begin His church. In Acts, the second chapter, that church began. Notice Peter stands up and he raises his voice. What is he doing at this point? Peter stands up the day that the church began and he preaches. And as a matter of fact, early on in the words, he says, Men of Judah and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. In other words, here's an apostle standing up speaking with the authority of God. And he is saying, I'm teaching to you. I'm preaching to you. Now's the time when you need to listen to the word of God. He talked about Jesus of Nazareth being the Son of God. He talked about the fact that those very same Jews had crucified Jesus and God raised him up. He spoke using Scripture from the Old Testament about David prophesying of Jesus Christ. And the people were convicted by the preaching of God's Word that they cried out, What shall we do? And the answer was given to them by Peter You need to repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And in verse 41 it says, And they that received His Word. What was His Word? It was the preaching of the Word of God. Those that received His Word were baptized, and they were added unto them. In other words, they were saved and became a part of the Lord's church because they listened to the preaching of truth. Now, pause here for just a moment. What would have happened if on the day of, of Pentecost, Peter would have stood up and instead of preaching truth, 
from the Word of God, what if he would have preached error? Wouldn't that have been sad? The Lord's church, the day that it should have began, would not have begun. Isn't it sad today that all across this land, there were individuals that stood up before Bible classes and churches, and they preached things other than the Word of God. Brethren, I don't say this with joy to throw rocks at others. I say this humbly to examine my own life. You need to examine your life. And as a church, we must constantly be examining what is taught and preached. And we must realize that God will never excuse false teaching, no matter who we are. God is not partial. I'd like for you to notice as the church began... The details are told somewhat as we've just gone over the first day. But notice how the next few days are described just in verse 42 that's on the screen here. Acts 2 and 42. And they, talking about the church, continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and in fellowship and in breaking bread and prayers. Now let's think about just that first one for a moment. Why did they continue steadfast? There's something that they continued. In other words, they stayed in it. And they continued in it steadfast. In other words, they never left it. They always stayed with it. What was it? It was the preaching of the apostles. Why? Because the New Testament hadn't been written yet. And so if the New Testament church, the Lord's church, is going to hear a message from God, they couldn't open the New Testament and read because it hadn't been written yet. So they're going to rely upon the teaching of the apostles. That was the authoritative teaching. That was God's word being given on earth at that time. They continued steadfast in it. Let that always be a mark in our lives. Wherever we move, wherever the Lord takes us, let us never settle to worship at a place where God's word is not taught. Now, we see also... A passage here. And if you want to open your Bibles to Matthew 15, we're going to read about nine verses or you can read along here. But I'd like for you to notice here, we'll go ahead and set this up. What is it that individuals could do that if Jesus chose to, and I doubt he's going to do this in person, but if he chose to, he could meet you in the foyer right after worship and he could say to some, hey, by the way, you being at worship today? Yes. I just wanted you to know it was worthless. What? What would someone have to do for Jesus to say, I know you're here, but there was nothing good that came out of you being here. What is it? Could it be something as simple as listening to false teaching and obeying it? How important is it that we worship God hearing His Word taught and preached? Well, here's how the story goes. Matthew, the 15th chapter... We will begin at verse 1. Then the scribes and the Pharisees who were from Jerusalem came to Jesus saying, Why do your disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat bread. Now pause here for a moment and be reminded or informed that the washing of hands was a tradition that was not from God. It was from their sects of Jews. And so they were very offended that Jesus' disciples were not participating in the traditional washing of hands like all of them were. What is authority in your life? 
Are traditions authoritative or is the Word of God authoritative? Very, very important that you and I know the difference in traditions and the Word of God. And so Jesus addresses this in verse 3. He answered and said to them, Why do you also transgress the commandment of God because of your traditions? For God commanded. And so now he's going to give an example. He says, you're wanting to know why I don't keep traditions. I'm wanting to know why you keep traditions that violate the word of God. And so he says, I'll give you an example here. For God commanded saying, honor your father and your mother. And who curses father and mother, let him be put to death. But you say... Whoever says to his father or mother, whatever profit you might have received from me is a gift to God, then he need not honor his father and mother. Now let's pause there for just a moment. Do you see what they're doing here? They called it Corbin. It was a tradition that they came up with, and, and there were probably a lot of details that we're not completely sure of how they work, but it seemed to go something like this. You could take your estate and you could, in a sense, trust it to God and to the temple. And then when your parents aged and they needed your help, even if your mother was a widow and she needed your help, she could come to you and say, I I need you to help me. And you would still be considered a faithful Jew if you said, oh, I'm sorry, mother, father. It's Corbin. I've already dedicated my estate to the temple. And so I'm, a, I'm relieved of any obligation to help you or to help other people. Isn't that convenient when you get to use your estate however you want it until you die? You see how, how foolish it was, how selfish it was, how wrong that it was. Because Jesus says, you have this tradition that is a direct violation of the fifth commandment, to honor your father and your mother. And so you honor your tradition to break the law of God. You know what? I know I'm stating the obvious, but allow me to. Jesus has a serious problem with that. That's what will cause Jesus to say, you shouldn't even come to worship today. When the Word of God is not authority in your life, God says... Your worship is vain. Here's how he says it. Look at the rest of verse 6 here. Thus you have made the commandment of God of no effect by your tradition. The Word of God is powerful. But the question I need to ask myself by applying this is how powerful is the Word of God in my life? It's a shame that the powerful Word of God that changes and transforms lives all around the world doesn't do that to me. If it doesn't do that to me, it's not the fault of the gospel. It's not the fault of Christ or or the Father or the Spirit. Here, he's clearly informing us the problem is the individual if the gospel has lost its effect in your life. And so he calls them appropriately in the seventh verse, hypocrites. Well, did Isaiah prophesy about you saying, these people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Oh, they say the right things, and, and, and when they say it, they can say it and make it sound so important. But the reality is, their heart isn't devoted to me. So here's uh, Jesus' conclusion to them. In vain, vain means empty or worthless, in vain they worship me, 
teaching as doctrines. They're teaching it as if it was the teachings of God, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. I would like to believe that this would never happen. I say that humbly, though, but I want to use this simply as an illustration. If I wanted to teach you as a congregation to do some things that were contrary to God's law, and it was simply something that I came up with contrary to God's law, how would it go over if I entered the pulpit next Sunday morning? And, and I took the Bible and I said, I said, you know, this is, this is a good book, and we've referenced it a lot through the years, but I, I tell you, I'm just not thinking as highly of this book anymore. It's, it's not really the final authority in my life anymore. So this morning, we're going to lay the Bible aside, and, and we're going to talk about some better ways to live, higher than the Word of God. I would say that, number one, none of you would be convinced, and number two, I'd be needing a job that afternoon. How many false teachers are bold enough to do that? That's not the way Satan works. Instead, notice this phrase again. They teach as doctrine the commandments of men. What about if you can take Scripture and you can twist them around? You can use one phrase out of one scripture and not use it in the context that it's written. And you can use another phrase out of another scripture, not in the context that it's written. And you can join two or three phrases together and then you put it all together. And you showed everybody these phrases out of the scriptures. And then you say, see, that's what God wants us to do. And it's not God's will at all. That's what was happening here to some degree. In other words, they weren't saying we want to rebel against God. They were twisting things around and saying, let us teach you the commandments, the, the, the doctrines. And the reality were they were commandments. So what does this do? Number one, this places a heavy emphasis upon you and I for ourselves individually to study the scriptures and study them in the context of which they are written and to be honest in our approach with them. But number two, this is a sobering reality that God did not excuse those individuals even though they were simply following what their religious leaders taught them. Now, if that didn't register with you, let me say it in another way because this is a very important point. Jesus did not look only to the leaders, the scribes and the Pharisees that were the leaders, and say, I tell you what, this false doctrine, I'm holding you accountable for that. And then all these followers that have been listening to you, I excuse you guys. Because after all, you were just listening to your leaders. So it's okay. No. He looked at the entire group and said, you worship me in vain. It's worthless. It's empty. It is so important that we realize that God has not established, as the denominational world has, a clergy system. The denominational world creates a clergy system where, where the, the pastors and the preachers and, and whatever titles they have for their individuals, they are on a supposedly a higher level. They know more supposedly of the Word and the will of God and have a higher accountability. And then they have what they call the lay people. And the lay people are naturally supposed to depend upon the clergy. God's Word doesn't teach it that way. We're all brethren. 
Listen, it's not the elders in this congregation that's supposed to be the only ones digging in the Word of God. It's not just the ministers or the deacons that are the only ones digging in the Word of God. It's not just the teachers digging in the Word of God. We had, was it 12 baptisms this past week? They are supposed to be digging in the Word of God as much as anybody else this week. Why? Because we all individually are responsible for making sure that we worship God through the way of the teaching and preaching of God's Word. And if I'm somewhere where the teaching and preaching of God's Word has ceased to be taught, I need to address that. I need to seek to change that. Or I need to find somewhere where it is. And so we have this reminder again. You can't teach wrong and worship right. I'm just going to give you a few slides now as a closing. And you can jot these down if you want to study these further. But these are just four examples that are very rich. We could spend an entire easy sermon on each one of these. In Acts the 20th chapter, the church is still young. Paul is talking to the elders of Ephesus. And he warns the elders there that there are going to be some wolves that come in among the sheep. What would a wolf do that came among sheep? I'd like for you to notice that line in 30. Also from among yourself, men will rise up speaking perverse things. If you study this whole context, that's exactly what the warning is. These big bad wolves are going to come in. Oh, what are they going to do? Are they going to pull out knives and slaughter people? Oh, yes, they're going to pull out verbal knives. It's false teaching. And they're going to slaughter souls because that's how serious it is when false teaching comes among God's people and God's people fall for it. They believe it. Paul also warns Timothy in 1 Timothy, the fourth chapter, that there's going to be a time when they will depart from the faith. Where did faith come from? Hearing the Word of God. Giving heed to deceiving spirits. Not truth, but deceiving teaching. And what? Doctrines of apostles? No, doctrines of demons. Speaking truth. No speaking lies in hypocrisy. Look at verse 3. Forbidding to marry. How did that happen? They were taught. See the preaching and teaching. They were taught. You can't marry. Or also commanding. See, that's teaching and preaching. Commanding to abstain from foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. In other words, God created these things. And for those that believe it and know the truth, they're not going to be pulled into this false teaching. But those that don't believe and they don't know the truth, they're going to depart from what? All of these things fall under the umbrella of their departing from the truth. We look also at Galatians 1 and 6 and we see that firm teaching that when we leave the gospel, we can say we're leaving it for a different gospel. But Paul goes back and says, no, it's not a different gospel. It's a perverted gospel of Christ, he says in verse 7. Verse 8, but even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let him be accepted. That isn't what it said, was it? We studied all morning about whether or not we were accepted by God. Here they've changed the gospel. And he doesn't say, change the gospel and I'll accept you. Let your leaders change the gospel and you be deceived and I'll still accept you. No. It doesn't matter if you're intentional or if you've been deceived. He says, you change the gospel and you follow that. He says, you won't be accepted. You will be accursed. In 2 Timothy 4.1, you see there, he clearly states to Timothy, preach the word. Nothing more, nothing less. 
in season, out of season, preach the word. And when we read down, we find out why some people leave it. See there in verse 3? For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But it's according to their own desire because they have itching ears and they heap from the, up for themselves teachers and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. And so we see there the serious, serious condition whenever we fail to stay with the truth. Preach the Word. Who wouldn't want to hear the preaching of the Word? People that have itching ears because their heart has a desire that's different from the Word of God. And so they go around and they seek to find a teacher that will appeal to their itching ear so that they'll hear what they desire instead of hearing the Word of God. Listen. Sometimes when we preach the Word of God, it fires us up and makes us feel so great and, and we just leave on a spiritual cloud nine. And let's be honest. Sometimes when we preach the Word of God, it steps all over our toes. And it convicts us. And it breaks our heart. And if we're doing things right in our worship service, there's probably some days that we leave here and we're kind of mad at ourselves. And we may be just a little bit down because we've been humiliated by the preaching of God's Word. After writing this sermon, I don't know why I do this sometimes, but sometimes I just have a lot on my heart and I just, I just typed out a few sentences. And I wasn't even going to use it today, but I thought we'll conclude with this. These are just a few sentences that I typed out. If God wants a circus... I need to bring him the best circus that I can create. If God wants me to be entertained, I need to come ready to be selfishly indulged in pleasure. If God calls me to worship him in truth, I must humbly ask him what is truth. How do I bring my praise and my adoration to you and submit to him? What a privilege. We have to live for God and to worship God. We don't deserve it. But as we've seen this morning time and time again, it's by His grace that we have the opportunity to worship. And so we approach Him with reverence, with great fear. And we approach Him listening to His Word with a humble heart that says, Lord, You say it. And I'll obey it. Tonight, if there's anything that you need to do to obey God that we can assist you with, we'd love to. If you need prayers or for further study, we'd love to sit down and, and do that also. If you're ready to be immersed into Christ, or if you want to come back to Him, if we can help you come as we stand and as we sing.